Let's imagine the not-too-distant future. You feel more in control of your photos than you ever have before. You look forward to the regular creative dates on your calendar. You're moving forward on that project that means so much to you. You are on fire with inspiration, and you are finally scrapbooking consistently. This is not a hypothetical, it's a real-life possibility. And for the first time, I've created a workshop specifically focused on the problem of consistency. It's called Sparked, and I'm excited to share it with you for free. Visit simplescrapper.com sparked to get access to the training and make this possibility your reality. It's been fun. It's almost turned it into a game of like, okay, what else can I use? Like, what other layouts can I make with this? Welcome to Scrapbook Your Way, the show that explores the breadth of ways to be a memory keeper today. I'm your host, Jennifer Wilson, owner of Simple Scrapper and author of The New Rules of Scrapbooking. This is episode 110. In this episode, I'm joined by Kim Edson to reflect on the past month and explore what's new for April. This is our monthly peek behind the scenes at Simple Scrapper. As you listen to this episode, think about the starting points that most jumpstart your creativity. Then head over to simplescrapper.com SYW110 to leave a comment sharing your response. All right, here's my conversation with Kim. Hey, Kim, how are you doing? I'm hanging in there. It's kind of that weird time of year. Like we're kind of over winter, but it keeps hanging on and there's a little bit of spring and I don't know. So this time every year I kind of start to get restless. Like I need a new project to work on or um, I need something, but we're getting there. I feel like the last month has kind of been a blur. It's just, you know, life. Yeah. And it's like, it's super gross today. Like I woke up and it was storming and you know, we have up and down temperatures, like it's like 65 one day and 40 the next day. And I don't know, I think we complained about the same thing in the fall too. Like spring and fall are always just very eh. transition-y. I know it's hard. Like yeah. you don't know what to wear when you get up each day. And <laughs> I know. And I haven't been outside. I used to be really good about getting out for hikes and walks regularly outside and I have not for weeks, so that is on my list today, like, to get myself outside. it's Actually, we're nicer, so you probably had what we had yesterday. Um, so today, like, the sun is shining. I think it's supposed to be, like, 50, so should be good. Yeah, I think the getting outside is really the key to uh, lifting your spirits and really putting things back in order. And sometimes I need nudges to do that, whether it's, like from from friends from my husband even sometimes from Emily like I need like come on let's go outside you know because otherwise I just hole up and sit at my computer (laughs) no I hear you um I've known this for years about myself that that does a lot for my mood and energy levels and sometimes I just forget or we go through a long patch of weather that just is not conducive but even when the weather's bad and you get outside we read that book nature fix last mm-hmm. year or two years ago and that was a big component of it is even when people thought they would not enjoy it they would go outside and feel better so I need to keep that in mind and it doesn't need to be you know an hour-long hike it could be 10 minutes whatever yes but should be good how are you doing 
overall, I have been really feeling good about my one little word practice for this month. So for those who are following along with Allie Edwards, the the March prompt is to practice something for, uh, well, as many days of the month as you you desire, but kind of the whole month is, is the goal. And I've been just practicing using the Calm app. And so this is one of those meditation apps that has, it has meditations, uh, you know, sleep sounds, sleep stories, music, you know, ambient sounds. And so my kind of bare minimum is that I will listen to rain on the window every night as like the default. And I've been doing that for a while, but then I've also tried to add in meditation every morning and I'm doing like the short one that's like 10 minutes and it's still hard to get to it, but I always appreciate it when I do. And I take that time. Um, but I like that. I'm just kind of slowly building up and building into it. Okay. So I use the headspace app. So very similar. Mm -hmm. So I'm a fan and I will say that I do not think 10 minutes of meditation is a short meditation. (laughs) I think like I started (laughs) with two minutes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely very short and I like, I like the, the one that I'm doing is, is very heavily guided and I just appreciate that continued reminder to, to come back to be present and then every single one he asks us to focus on something kind of specific and it's it's really helpful and I think those maybe who've maybe thought of meditation as silence or if you're using an app it's just like sounds or whatever like the guidance really really helps you to get out of your head and you know I've, I've had practice over the years from various things of kind of I call it like like sweeping my thoughts away when something mm-hmm. tries to crawl in. I have this like mental vision of like I'm just like brushing it away. Like let's just kick it off to the side for now. Um, I can deal with that later. And but the guidance really helps, and it's not just quiet because it can feel kind of intimidating to think that okay now I just have to be stuck in my own thoughts for a period of time. <laughs> well, and I think that sometimes it can get you ruminating, right? If these mm-hmm. thoughts come into your mind and you're just turn them over and over in your head. So sometimes the guided portion of it helps you focus your mind, I guess, in a more conducive pattern. I don't know. But yeah, I I do a mix of guided and silent and there's different levels. Mm -hmm. And so fun. I, um, like I said, we use the Headspace app at our house and very similar to the Calm app and we are fans as well. Awesome. Yeah. And Emily's been loving to sleep stories, though she never falls asleep. She really listens to the whole thing. And then she's like, Mom, can I have another story? She's like, come into my office afterwards. I'm like, You're supposed to be asleep. But she says it really relaxes me. So that that helps, too. So, nope, that's a good thing to do before bed. Anything else new with you? I don't know, man. Um, Long-term care facilities. I think our vaccinations are done as far as the um, COVID vaccinating portion of it. So I do not know what my role will be going forward with like in-store or if they'll have offsite for businesses or how that will work. But so we're just kind of in limbo land. My kids are on spring break this week. Um, my husband has been working a lot. This is his busy time of the year every year. So we're just kind of, like I said, we're just in, I don't know if it's limbo mode or not really going anywhere at this point. So yeah, no, I definitely feel that too. We're on spring break as well and it's uh doesn't feel like it. It just mm-hmm. feels like the same as it has for the past year, I guess, a little bit. And I think I've run out of ideas. So, like last year yes. for spring break, we did a Harry Potter movie marathon and I had 
themed snacks to go with each film. And I'm just kind of running out of like fun ideas of things to do at home. Like my kids, they'll go through phases with board games or card games or like puzzles. And it just, they'll start like a little crafty project. And I, I think we're just ready for the weather to change and get back outside some more. So 100%, 100%. All right, so shifting gears to scrapbooking, what is exciting you right now inside okay. the hobby? So I am so excited. This kind of evolved just last week over, <clears throat> we do a Wednesday question each week in the membership, just kind of discussion type topics. And this one was related to the Lazy Genius Way, which is going to be our book club selection for this month. And it was the idea of deciding once. And it was like, what is one thing you can decide once for scrapbooking? And member Peggy Collins had said that she decided once for her seven on the seventh project. So on the seventh of each month, I think she is her goal. She'll do like seven photos and does a layout kind of like a right now type thing. And anyway, so she chose one kit that she's just going to use every month for the year. And that really appealed to me because I was doing my monthly favorites layouts last year and I liked them a lot. And I had not yet done my January, February ones. So I went searching and found uh, Simple Stories had kind of a year-long themed collection, and it occurred to me that I could use that one kit for every month of my favorites layouts. So that has evolved, and like I whipped out January and February in no time. And we've talked in the past how historically I've not done a lot of like theme type pages or embellishments or products. Uh, and this very much is along those lines. Like, you know, there's a snowman in January and there's hearts in February. But I'm finding sure. I'm really, really enjoying that. Um, and it's just like bright, vibrant pops of color. I use a lot of like white or craft like backgrounds. And uh, I think it's it's making me happy. I'm enjoying it. It's fun. Well, I like I like that challenge, though, of to be consistent. And that's that's a practice in itself because we're often searching for the newest thing and that ends up being additional decisions to then decide to purchase a thing and use the different thing. Whereas if you kind of pre-commit to your approach, you are kind of uh, reducing decision fatigue and it's also kind of a creative challenge to stretch yourself and see how, how can we stay inspired about this as well? Yes. That prompt in general was, I thought was prompted some very like fascinating conversations within the group mm -hmm. as far as how people would use that concept from always starting with a sketch to I talked about for the longest time I used like the exact same font on like every journaling block I would do just because I didn't have to think about it. It was one less decision or um, years ago I decided like all of my albums are black except for my December daily albums and whether it's a cloth album or a leather one or even like some of my photo books I'll order with like the black spine just because I just don't have to think about it. Um, so people had a lot of insights into that. And I thought that was really, I took a lot away, I guess, from that conversation. I definitely use the same font in everything that I do. And even being able to use that font is kind of a prerequisite when I'm auditioning like new software. Mm -hmm. Like that's one of the reasons like why the Lightroom photo book has started to work is because I was able to use the same font, customize it in the same way that I do inside of Photoshop. Obviously, it's still Adobe products. It, it all works relatively similarly and so that that was a, if if I couldn't do that that would have been a deal breaker because I have to use my typewriter font because I want everything to look the same and 
I don't ever have to think about what font am I going to use for this layout. Well, and especially if you're doing things digitally, it would be a major bummer to get this whole photo book done and have it arrive and find your font is unreadable or it's just enormous yeah. or to be able to know consistently how that will print uh, makes a big difference. For sure. And I will say the other part of that, too, was I think this had come up during a refresh. You talked about how digital scrapbook kits versus paper scrapbook kits. And uh, you were maybe like a little envious from like the paper to digital side where I'm recently was kind of feeling like the opposite. Like all these new paper collections are coming out. And now that I'm doing more digital, I was like, man, like what are paper lines that I can get digitally? And um, I asked one of our longtime digital scrapbook members who um, is also on our CT, Brie, and she's the one who pointed me in the line of like the simple stories. So that I think is the other part of it that's kind of the hit. It's like, oh, like I'm used to these products. I remember how to use these. So I think that also instills a sense of ease into that process as well. Oh, for sure. And it's as someone who went the other way, was digital first and then went to paper um, and then I actually, there was a, a time in there where I tried to do digital again. It was certainly, it's so interesting to see kind of what your brain wants to lean on, the things that you're looking for. Um, I very quickly, I would say digital for me was a lot more about embellishments and the layers and the shadows. Whereas quickly with, with paper, it was really about the paper and patterns and how I was going to arrange those on the page. And then trying to go back to digital, I was like, but wait, I can't, it, there, there's certain things that you just can't do the same way. And it was so interesting, um, kind of what you focus on uh, when your process is a little bit different. Yes. So what are you doing scrappy wise? You know, this is kind of like a, a small little win, but it's been ex ex making me feel so good. When I've been taking photos of my layouts recently, I've realized, wow, like I really feel like I've learned you know, the basics of using my new camera. So I don't, I think I've talked about it on the podcast before. Uh, a couple of years ago, my DSLR took a one foot tumble to the floor and everything got kind of out of alignment. And the camera at this point is so old, I wasn't able to get it repaired. I've tried, I tried several things and everybody's basically like, this isn't something that we could ever do. You would have had to send it back to Canon, but they don't repair that anymore because your camera is too darn old. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, we're going to have to get a new camera. And so I decided to go with a mirrorless and I got a Canon M50. And it's it's certainly more on the budget side. It's a pretty popular camera. And at the beginning, I was like, it was kind of awkward in that um, it has a, a digital viewfinder. And so it was kind of like taking a photo with your phone. And sometimes when you're taking photos of your phone, you feel like you don't get good stability the way you would with a, a big camera. And I'm like, gosh, what am I doing wrong? And so I did some research and I found there's kind of this, you can do like a, an initial digital focus and then do a manual tweak where you, you, know, you actually move the focus ring to do a manual tweak. And that's allowed me to get amazing focus. And then I even found that my cam when I do that, my camera will then like show this red outline of what's in focus. And it's like, oh my gosh, I did it. It's beautiful. It like draws these lines around everything on the viewfinder. And I'm like, I got it. I, I hit the focus. And that has just been this big transformation in actually taking good photos of my layouts. Because for a while, I'm like, dude, this is worse than my phone. What am I doing wrong? And it's because I wasn't, you know, just really locking in the focus on the right spot. So sometimes you just got to keep playing with it to get it right. That's amazing. I 
have always found photographing layouts to be just a very, very challenging. It's, it's a pain, especially in the winter. <laughs> Cause like I'm like, I, for a while I'm like, I went outside and I was freezing and I'm like, okay, I am not doing this anymore. So that's one of the reasons I cleaned off a spot on my table here, but now I have this like little stool that I stand on so that I can lean over the table. And of course I have various reflector lights and all that stuff, but it is, it's not, it's not always fun, but having, I don't know, I guess having the new camera confidence with it had makes, has made it a little bit easier. So, well, having the proper tools and knowing how to use them for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's. And some, it, sometimes it just takes practice and persistence. So it was so many different things. I, I think as I get older, I've developed more patience for let's keep learning. Let's keep trying. Let's like really invest the time so that we can master things. And I've always been a little bit kind of geeky in that way, but I think it's even uh, becoming more so and I have more even more patience for it as I get older well I also think that's maybe a way to identify what is important to you or what you value is if you're willing to put in that time and effort for something that matters to you as opposed to like yeah this isn't really working but I don't really care so we'll move on right oh yeah that's interesting to think about it that way because I'm always like tweaking all of my various cameras in here and I think even though sometimes it can be frustrating there is an underlying like I like the tech part I like um being able to produce high quality things whether it's the podcast or videos or live streams and stuff and so I guess I kind of geek out on that and I'm willing to invest the time even though sometimes I want to bang my head against the wall because I can't figure something out yeah technology tends to to have that effect at times. (laughs) It does. Okay. Let's transition to bucket list. We always have great conversations here. So if you are new to the podcast, a bucket list story is one that's a little bit deeper, a little bit more significant and weighty. It doesn't necessarily have to be a hard or difficult or sad story. It's just something that feels important and that you really want to make sure that you capture. So Kim, what is one more story on your bucket list? So this is I always feel like I start this. This has been on my list forever. Um, So I have wanted to document pets throughout my life. And I did a little bit in my Before Your Story album, which was just, you know, a photo and a three by four card, you know, of my childhood dogs. But I've always thought like, well, I need to do this whole album project and make it this whole big thing. And then as, you know, as throughout the years, different pets and then, um, Betty Lou in our membership had done kind of an overview page looking at like her pets. And I don't even remember if it, I think it was even just a one page layout and it was, you know, like a photo of the animal and like a little tidbit about them. And it kind of occurred to me is maybe my starting point shouldn't be this giant pet album that covers the last 40 years. Maybe I could start with an overview layout, right? Like why make it so difficult? And I think it's not even so much all about just the pets themselves, but also my experience as a pet owner. You had put, I shared a layout recently about your cat and how mm-hmm. you feel like the lessons that she taught your daughter. And um, one of our cats has just had kind of ongoing health issues the last few years. And she had this big medical workup thing, which 
depending on how you feel about pets, you may roll your eyes at, or you may be like, oh yeah, yeah. Um, but so anyways, it seems like she's some sort of inflammatory allergy type thing, whatever. But it's kind of has you assess, again, it kind of comes to that value thing, like what you're willing to spend like your time and your energy and your money on. Um, and for me, like my pets definitely are a huge part of like our family and our life. And so I want to document that as well. And I think again, and I say this, I think every single time I'm on here about the some of these bigger stories feel so overwhelming because there's many facets to them. But I think the thing that I took away from like Betty Lou's layout and like your layout is at some point, start somewhere, start with an overview page. If that turns into a whole album, great. If it doesn't, I feel like I've told a little bit of that story. Yes. I think that's so important sometimes because she's stories that, that cross a lot, a lot of time that like feel physically bigger because of the number of photos you would have to choose from um what is the smallest portion of that that would feel really satisfying to you and that's like the best place to start because you have to start somewhere it always starts with one page even if it ends up being multiple and that even if something that feels lengthy because of all of the photos it doesn't necessarily mean it's a big project you can choose to do something smaller yes or even if it evolves into you know, a series of collage layouts with photos and just like several large blocks of journaling, you know, I mean, like, I think I was boxing myself in based on my initial concept for this project. And like I said, it has mm -hmm. been something that's been on my list for years. And um, I think there would be like a sense of like a weight lifted just to take a step forward. And so, like you said, to start with that, like with the smallest first step that you can do. Um, so I think I think it would be satisfying. Well, and so you just mentioned that the feeling of that you want that weight to be lifted. And so often that that can require you to give yourself permission to make a course correction, to not be so, I guess, doggedly attached to whatever you thought you were going to do, even if maybe you even bought the supplies for it. There's certainly been projects where I bought the supplies and this was my plan. And then I never quite had got the activation energy to begin. And it's okay to say, okay, well, that's not the plan anymore. Obviously, I didn't do it. So something's not working out. We need to make a course correction. Let's make a new plan that's going to uh, result in something being produced. Yeah. Versus the sticking with the plan, which results in nothing <laughs> happening, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yes, for sure. So what is on your right. bucket list layout? What are you itching to tell? You know, I, I feel like I've told so many and I think I'm not that I'm ever going to run out of stories, but I really I'm feeling I've got a lot of the ones that were kind of a top of mind initially taken care of. Um, but I keep seeing lots of layouts about the pandemic and I've I've done little snippets here and there. Like I just did a, a two page spread that was just a, what's I, I, how do I say this? So last week, the, on the ninth, was it last week now? I guess it was the ninth of March was day in the life. Allie Edwards hosted this, you know, invitation to photograph your entire day. I didn't really have the energy to take pictures all day. And I don't think I've really ever done day in the life where I really took pictures all day. I've certainly done week in the life. Um, but I took a picture of each of us at 8 a.m. And as I started journaling about what we were all doing at 8 a.m., I was still in bed. Emily was still sleeping and Steve was working at his computer at home. And I, all I could think of is, wow, this is still very atypical from what our life is, you know, quote unquote, normally like Emily would would have been at school. Steve would have been at the office. 
and I would have not been still in bed. I might not have been dressed yet, but I would have been like, you know, on the way for the day. And it ended up being, you know, a few paragraphs about the pandemic, but it was just about how life was different and and where we've come. And I realized I don't think I've really done like what happened in the past year. And so I think now is the time that we've reached this one year. I want to do some sort of like timeline layout, maybe include some more of the, the newsy points to it and just say like, okay, here was what we experienced this past year, but definitely more facts. Cause I, I think I've captured some of the feelings throughout many pages throughout my photo books. Um, but now it's like, okay, let's capture some of the facts to record this for the future. So that's, that's what's on my bucket list. So I think that's interesting. The idea of going more fact versus feeling focused from the idea of maybe documenting it for a historical perspective. Do you think? Yeah. Yeah, because just, like, just by default, because I've had the same thing. I did not do, I don't tend to do a lot of like in the moment scrapbooking. I tend to kind of go back and do reflection and then just kind of see where I'm going with the project or layouts or whatnot. But um, so I, a lot of people were doing like COVID albums and it was always a thing like, well, like, I don't, I don't know when I'm going to end it because it just kept going on and on and on. And I don't think when yeah. people started those last spring, they were expecting, um, that to continue for such a long duration. But like you said, I haven't done like a COVID specific layout, but by default, it has just snuck into your layouts, right? Like I did do the layout about my husband's whistling and a lot of it kind of was, I talk about how he's in the basement now working or um, yeah, my girls, I do like a school, ongoing school album for them. So I had a layout in there from last spring kind of talking about that transition. So it just has incorporated itself into my scrapbooks, but I think it's really interesting to come at it from like the facts standpoint, because years from now, those aren't necessarily things you're going to remember. And it's, I don't know. I like history. So I think that that's an interesting take on it. Yeah. Well, and I think my scrapbooking tends to be very feelings focused in general. And I, so like I, I I don't feel like that's missing, and oftentimes with these bucket list stories, we think that that's what we need. But for me, you know, I have like, you know, I have a People magazine from when Princess Diana died, another one from nine eleven, and I'm and I'm sure there've been kind of maybe even this week. I mean, I need to go check out the newsstand and see if there's one for, you know, this past year. But I feel like there, something that's not one point in time. It's hard to just say, okay, here's that the snapshot of what we experienced from that because this has been in the whole year. And so I want to kind of make my little time capsule page to talk about, you know, very, all the ways we got groceries and, you know, toilet paper. And the first time I got disinfectant wipes at 11 months in and all those things. So, okay. So you said something there that made me think about format. So I feel like a Mm -hmm. timeline would be very yeah. well suited to this. Have you thought at all about how you actually want to put it on a page? I, I think a timeline with photos, uh, I think the challenge will be making sure there's enough space. Um, because I've done I, I've done a two-page timeline that was a bucket list story before, and I had like eight little blocks of journaling. And I think this one I would want... I want it to be busier. I guess I want to really fill it up with lots of little bits of on the timeline. So I might even make it like do it, uh, 
put the journaling at an angle like you might see on a timeline. Okay. So even yes. if you have to like really pay attention to read it, turn your head or whatever, um, and then do maybe a collage of photos rather than pointing out something. I don't know. We'll see. I definitely think it's just going to be a lot, a lot bigger. And maybe there's a, a digital template out there I need to find that maybe is something that's really detailed like that. Or, or maybe even, I'll end up making one. <laughs> well, yeah. Or like a pocket page style where you can really pack it in there with cards and photos. Or I would also think like a month by month, like you know mm. month one Maybe. month two little tidbits yeah and and we actually do have a page like that because i did it um i use it for emily's first year so there's tw- like 12 little pockets on one side and then a full page photo on the, on the left side so something like that might be interesting too and to try to pick you know, from maybe even from some of my lesser photos, like not ones that I think are, these are the great scrapbook worthy photos, but like the random things of the first time somebody brought groceries to our door and, you know, things like that. So that could be interesting. Fun. I love like that process of matching. Well, not always. Sometimes it's a challenge, but usually like that's part <laughs> of the fun for me is matching this like, okay, this is, this is what I want to say. And these are my photos or these are my products. And and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but like, how is that going to come together on the page? I think that is part of the fun for me of scrapbooking. Yeah, I've, I think I've gotten more reconnected to that and just the, just the fun challenge of having this idea. Now let's, let's, let's strategize and really plan it out. And then when you see it come together, that's, it's even more satisfying. And I've certainly had like really great experiences with, okay, let's take a photo and some supplies and, layer them up and throw them on the page and I've created pages I love but the ones that are really strategized out and they're often hybrid or even all digital definitely can be really satisfying too exactly okay let's talk organization so we are now at the transition point halfway through our organization journey there has been so much I don't know energy so everybody's having a little bit of spring fever for sure everybody wants to get things cleaned out decluttered organized and to even you know dive in and use some of their supplies so what have you done this past month so i we talked about this last time but i set a reminder on my phone to clean out my digital downloads folder and that happened Mm -hmm. this last week and it was extremely satisfying Um, in the group one of our members iris was talking about the idea of Instead of downloading to a downloads folder, just download it to where the final location will be. Um, so sometimes that makes sense for me if it's something I know I'm going to use right away versus something that I need to refer to later. Uh, so that's been helpful. And I will say that one of my favorite activities from Refresh that I have actually done multiple times now, though I only shared one within the Refresh group, was the idea from the digital standpoint of using older collections or supplies or whatnot mm-hmm. and um so I've just I'm obviously everyone's so tired of hearing me talk about like my transition to digital but I had always dabbled and done hybrid and so forth so I do have some older kits and there were some that were more cream based that I was to the point where I think I should just delete these because I don't see myself going back to them and so I actually use the same kit on two layouts now and I have a third one from a different collection kit that I'd actually ordered or ordered I'd purchased specifically for to do print and cut embellishments for a layout 
so I've got something on the work. So I am finding it really fun to kind of dig into those old supplies and use them in new ways on my layouts currently. That's that's super fun. And to to give it new life, especially in digital, there's so much always uh I don't know. It's kind of a, a little bit of a hamster wheel because the product comes out so frequently and it's, it can be really exciting. And, and I loved, you know, always scrapping with something new, but you don't necessarily have to do that and to kind of jump off the hamster wheel intentionally and make sure that you're really getting the most out of your purchases, I think is, is awesome. Well, and I think for like that one collection that was cream based, I'd used white on my journaling card and then I put white borders on my photos or I would choose different embellishments to kind of give it more of that I guess more contrast or pop that I'm liking now like with that simple stories kit I'm really loving those like bright colors so mm-hmm. I could still find ways to incorporate that onto the layouts even with like the older products so that is one that I don't think I really expected to enjoy just as much as I have it's been fun. It's almost turned it into a game of like, okay, what else can I use? Like, what other layouts can I make with this? Um, and honestly, the one that prompted it because it had a bunch of gold in it. I was doing a layout about my chickens. It had gold and it had feathers. I'm like, well, obviously, we have this chickens, golden colored chicken yeah. and there's feathers and I'm going to make this work. And um, so I think it's just a good reminder to go back. Even though they're older supplies, you can look at them with fresh eyes. Yes, yes. Now, the point you made about clearing out your digital downloads, that reminded me of something else that I did. One of the conversations during Refresh was about having kind of triage folders. And it's not really a long-term solution, but if you have a crazy uh, downloads folder, uh, and many of us confess to having nested folders of various things labeled to sort or former desktop or whatever, um, and I certainly had that, but I started creating these triage folders for different areas of my life. So I have Simple Scrapper, my university work, you know, Girl Scouts, PTA, and home. And I started kind of moving things into those folders. And even when I was downloading something new, putting it there. And I I think that's going to help me get things to their homes and maybe even see what homes I was lacking. Because I think that was certainly part of the problem is that with working at home, the normal homes for a lot of my files aren't here. They're on my work computer somewhere else, and which I don't have access to right now. And so I didn't think half the files are things like that that really belonged somewhere else that I never created a home for. And so it just kind of got all shoved together with everything else. So that's been interesting to look at it that way because when we're mixing all these different areas of life, it's hard to process your files and figure out okay where do they live when they just seem so so jumbled and you can't identify trends because you're mixing you know all these different things together well I think that's something that we talk about a lot is the idea of what is like once can you break off like one small area to focus on as opposed to taking on the whole so in this case you're dealing, you've broken it down so I can deal with the Girl Scout files or I could deal with, you know, the university files as opposed to just feeling like you have to deal with everything at one point in time. Plus, if you have them categorized, it, like you said, gives you a feel for what you need for homes or whatnot, but also can kind of give you a feel for sometimes things are redundant. Like I don't need this because I have this or it's a new iteration of that file. So, but if you were just looking at all of it together, I would think it would be really hard to identify those things. 
Well, it's also, I know a lot of it there can be deleted and, you know, they're part of it is, is, is having really good habits around making sure that stuff you don't intend to keep gets deleted right away. But then we often get in these situations where we just need to clear off the table. You know, I've done this in my real life, you know, just shove everything in a box in a bag because we have to clear off the table right now, even though half the stuff could have been thrown away at some point and you, and you just didn't. Um, but in terms of having those categories, I can see like when I'm going through the bigger, the junk drawer folder, uh, looking for, okay, I'm going to find everything that's Girl Scouts and move all that into the Girl Scouts folder. And it really helps you put that mental category on the files and see what you have and, and get it out of there. So then we can keep narrowing it down and, and, and then be able to put things away. Um, Cause as we said, it just, if you, if I look at it all together, I'm like, I don't know what to do with any of this stuff. Shut that click done. Move on. Yeah. So I will and then say, also, mm-hmm, go, go ahead. No, you're good. You can, you said, I was going to ask you thing. about um, your refresh experience beyond digital organization so i think i had i I made a layout and i really enjoyed i use a whole bunch of shipboard pieces like all from one little sheet in repetition and and i really liked the page but i think the project that was the most fun for me was putting together a kit and this was kind of the the physical equivalent of the the project that you did with your kits and trying to use old ones and I really wanted to just have like a big kit again that was just totally fleshed out with all the embellishments and all the papers. And and I've made a lot of like page kits over the years. I call them micro kits. But I wanted something that I could like just choose from and make six, seven pages from. And and I had so much fun doing that. I had a little bit of a purple theme to it, which of course made it an extra challenge because there's not that much in terms of purple in our supplies. And Whenever I've done this, and this time included, and I do it on Zoom, I love getting all the feedback from the members saying, no, you don't need that one. Like, pick something else. Or, you know, I would really include some, like, ribbons and fibers, and that's not something that I love to use. And so I was challenged to include those. And so I put two um, two of those in there. And I just, the uh, I don't know, the word synergy is kind of lame, but, but that that feeling that we get from the community experience to makes it even better. And I I think that that's my favorite part of that is I love the kit and I love that it was kind of this collaborative group effort. I kind of crowdsourced my kit collection. Well, and we are always willing to give our opinion. So just ask. (laughs) And I think, again, I think that comes back to the whole idea of like, I had talked about seeing supplies with fresh eyes. I think I've always enjoyed that whole process of watching you and, doing it myself of collect like creating your own kits because I think it's really mm-hmm. fun to see how you can mix and match products from different collections or different lines and bring it all together and create something that's really kind of your own. Yeah, and I think sometimes you just you need a few strategies. Like sometimes it's about just a little bit of color theory and, and how you're matching things together and what Oh, knowing about contrast and size of patterns, what we can talk about. Okay, I think these two go together, but this is why I think these two don't go together. Uh, And the more you practice that, the more confidence you'll get in being able to to pair those things. And 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 I'm certainly not saying that I'm good at it, but I've I've developed tricks over the years to really to help me feel it like taking the busiest pattern paper and then trying to source the colors that are in that one paper. And I always take that as an audition rather than trying to keep 
compiling things, no, if it doesn't go with this one thing, it, it doesn't fit in the kit. Kind of keeping that as the keystone, I guess, if you will. Well, there's so many components when you're looking at it. Like you say like color and pattern, but also there's like a sense of does this feel whimsical or is this more like elegant and serious or that all really comes together and you want products that kind of play well together, I guess, in order to make your kit, I think, easy to use. Yes. And that's like something that you don't like if you go just by color, you could have it very color harmonious. And maybe if you squinted, it would look like it went together. But then when you actually look at the patterns, you have something that's like a an intricate brocade pattern and then something that's like super modern and graphic. And they might not go together at all because of the different kind of st- just underlying style to it. Well, and I well, I just experienced that with my closet with my closet. So I had a pair of jeans. They liked how they fit and they were comfortable, but they were more of like a distressed kind of finish. And then I would find they just didn't pair well with my other clothes. So I dyed them dark gray. And I am just like flabbergasted. I went out and bought more dye for like another pair of pants because I was like, this is amazing. Cause all of a sudden now I feel I could wear them with everything in my closet. So it, whoa, I'm same like my element. Mind, like- like brain exploding emoji. I didn't even know you could do that, I guess. (laughs) Rit.com or whatever their website is, they have all sorts of information. So yeah, like literally in like a Rubbermaid tote in my laundry room. Um, So yeah. That's fun. That's awesome. Super excited. It's like a whole new world. I know. And so same thing with your scrapbook supplies. Maybe without the dye, but yeah. (laughs) Well, but, you know, I saw, so what was it? Um, Shamel had this beautiful layout the other day, posted on Instagram, and she was using a colored cardstock as the background. And she even commented how she uses actually pattern papers a lot of the time, but that she put white paint or gesso or something over the colored cardstock. And I'm like, oh, I really like that because I love a white background. So I could make part of it white and then still have some color peeking out. I want to try that for sure. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Okay, continuing on organization here. We we can't talk without talking about our sketch and template library. So we've been creating uh, sketches and templates. So a sketch for a paper scrapbooker, just a JPEG image, and a layered Photoshop file for digital scrapbooker since 2010. So forever. <laughs> And Kim, you've spent so much of your time kind of helping us uh, rebuild our library. We had it on the Simple Scrapper website when our membership was over there. And then when we transitioned to Mighty Networks, it's been this kind of slow process to get all of the sketches and templates into Mighty Networks. And how are you feeling about the project at this point? (laughs) Uh, Thrilled because I keep... So basically I've gone through... So what, we had like a year year and a half or so like already on there and so I've just been going back through like the back catalog to get the rest up so I've actually got to look at every single template and for many of them examples from our creative team like you said like going back 10 years um so yeah I keep marking ones like ooh, number 51 I'm definitely gonna use that next or um it's also been interesting to see some of our creative team members that have been with us for so long like one, like watching like their families evolve and change and grow, but also how some people's styles have just been so consistent. Like Sarah Case from like day one, man, like she yes. knew what she was doing and she's 
has works for her and she's stuck with it. So I could always tell like, oh, that's a Sarah layout, right? Um, so no, it has me totally jazzed up. And I was talking about this on the Zoom crap last Friday about just like my undying love for our sketches and templates. Like it is what got me to join like the membership and it is still like my like go-to way to like start a page and um, I don't know, I just love them. So no, it's been a fun project. Well, yeah, I appreciate all your efforts on that. And I know our members are going to absolutely love it. I mean, we're at what, 574, I think is the number, the last one we released. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy to think about that there's that many and just such a variety of design styles from very clean and minimal to full out. And and I feel like, I feel like I have to explain this a lot that, that our brand of simple is what works for you. And so sometimes simple looks minimal and sometimes simple looks like filling that page up with all of the goodness that you love to play with. Um, And I think our, our library reflects that diversity as well. And that is one thing I really like about it is I feel like just depending on what you're in the mood for that day, like if you want to go more mixed media and splatters and painted backgrounds like there there's inspiration for that and then there's very more like you said like the clean graphic geometric type patterns there's that so I think there's a wide like you said almost 600 right so there's options for styles but also for journaling like so I have like a ton of journaling so there's layouts that work well with that or number of photos I think there was one it was like 17 photos it was a double page one I was like oh but that's that's quite a few like um so I just feel like there's kind of something for everyone and depending on what you're in the mood for that day or what your layout is calling for um and the other thing for me this is kind of that whole decide once concept of it gives me a starting point so even if I find I make a lot of changes to it or I don't use a lot of like the embellishing spots or kind of pair that back to fit more my style. It is easier for me to have a starting point and to go from there versus starting from a completely blank page. Yes. Yes. And I think for me, it's always been just photo, uh, photo composition and uh, arrangement of photos on the page relationship between photos particularly photos of different orientations like vertical and horizontal uh, different sizes of photos like having a sketch really can help you do that even if the way you're going to arrange the papers and embellishments is going to be totally different um, that starting point I think is really 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 helpful well and I always kind of like we talked about this earlier too about how I enjoy kind of finding that match between the layout design and the products. To me, it's almost like a little puzzle, like to kind of figure out how it's going to all fit together. And I think I realized early on, and it kind of comes back to like, what is your reason why behind scrapbooking? For some people, it is like the creative outlet and to kind of put new spins and designs together. And for me, it's not. For me, it's to have a home for my photos and to tell stories. And that's my driving point. So I didn't want to spend a lot of time and energy on coming up with my own design, whereas you know, we literally have hundreds of options for me to choose from. So um, I think it comes back to kind of what my core purpose of scrapbooking also is. And that is how it ties into sketches and templates for me. Well, I think that's also that there's going to be 
that purpose, that why might vary over time or even by the story you're telling or the products that you're using. Because sometimes it is more about the products and you don't want to have fun and, and celebrate these these things because they're pretty and cute. And sometimes you're just really trying to tell like the pandemic story that I want to tell. I don't even know if I'll use any products on that. It might just be words and photos. I don't know. Um, sometimes that's more of the purpose. And so the the sketches and templates are there for what you need them for, whether it's a starting point or kind of a complete solution. And I will say that our sketches and templates, so I've purchased templates from other digital I don't, designers or whatever you, I don't know what you call them, but um, they're not all created equal. So I feel like our templates are super high quality. They, um, they're just very easy to use. So I appreciate Melanie does a nice job with them. Yes, for sure. And even though for, you know, number 205 on, so, you know, that's a lot of, that's a lot of design work that Melanie has done. She's, you know, she's taking the inspiration from our featured artists to create these. So if they were based only on my layouts or even just based only from Melanie's brain, they'd, they'd have more of a, a consistency of of uh, style and approach and the fact that they're not, I think is what gives that variety. Cause you know, you can love someone's, someone's templates. And I'm trying to think, um, Cheryl, she's like fiddle DD. Right. And so her, she does full out like all the flowers to the end of time. And, but that your pages are going to look pretty consistent. And if you like that, that's great. But if you want a little more variety, depending on the types of stories you tell, you're going to need to buy from different designers or, mm-hmm use a library that's like ours that that's has giant. a little bit more of variety too so well and I think if I was left to my own devices it would be grid page after grid page after grid page oh yeah that's just sure. kind of my default and I still even like that with within layout design I will like things that are very in a grid or very like aligned um but I appreciate that for you, like you said, it was photo composition. For me, I think sketches and templates have really helped me with embellishing. Like that has always been mm-hmm. kind of a hard thing for me. I've struggled with that. Well, struggled, whatever. Like it's such a struggle. But anyways, um, but to kind of give a feel for like, oh, this would be a good spot to put this or just kind of how to layer things. I don't think that is how my brain works by default. And so I appreciate the, the sketches and templates have really taught me a lot about that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, they're great tools to help you improve your design skills and confidence and to allow you to then go to that next level and change it up a bit or even be able to feel feel like you are able to start from a blank page as well. Yes. Though, honestly, so, I'm oh. so lazy at this point. Like, it's just easier to start with something <laughs> and, like, shut off layers that I don't want, like... Honestly, I was going to, I started a layout the other day and I literally like drug three photos on and was starting to build a background. I was like, yeah, no, I'm just going to go find a layout, like a sketch and we're going to go with this. Like, mm. so, but that's, I mean, that's very real. Like you, you want to get the page done and there's a, there's a satisfaction and desire in that. And you got to kind of honor what's real for you in the moment. And sometimes it's totally playing and planning it out. And sometimes it's, getting the page done and, and having it, having that story told. Yes. And that's true. And I've done both, right? I've done, right. Where you spend like far too many hours, like hand stitching a background, but it's gorgeous in the end. And that was really fun, but you're right. It does depend on like the season of life and the, that, even that particular layout, like I'm just like ready to put this, get this done and move on. So 
we don't need to make this more complicated. For sure. So I'm curious in terms of your experience, like having started as a paper scrapbooker, more hybrid, and then going truly digital, has there been any, like, how have you adjusted to using, continuing to use our our templates? So So I think I will say that having like the unlimited capability of like, I can use all these pattern papers doesn't necessarily mean I should. So I think I also went through this evolution of kind of identifying kind of what my style or my preferences are kind of in general. And obviously that can vary from page to page, but I tend to be more minimalistic with something. So maybe it's a lot of, um, I just like shut off embellishments. Like, yeah, I could put something there, but I do less like I'll do a scatter, but not like the scatter and the enamel dots or right. So I think kind of recognizing that to use the sketch or the, well, in this case, the template as a guide or as a starting point, as opposed to a recipe or like, you know, this is what I have to do. So I guess seeing like the flexibility in that um, has definitely, I feel like made me more comfortable with the process and happier with my finished product too. Yes, for sure. Well, and I think that's that's one of the big reasons why our next pop-up workshop is going to be on sketches and templates. So we're going to like show how to use the library and, and search for for your item based on the number of photos um, and you know how to browse it. But then most of it's going to be on how do we then take this sketch or this template and then make a page? How do we make decisions about products? And then how do we make this our own? How do we develop more confidence? And I think we have obviously thousands of examples from our creative team to show how they took the starting point and jumped from there. And sometimes it's changing in size. Sometimes it's, you know, putting pattern where there was a photo or photo where there was a pattern. And, um, how do you then tweak it and what are some of the kind of underlying strategies behind that? So I'm I'm really looking forward to this one. Yes. I think obviously, like you said earlier, anything with like practice and perseverance, it will get easier. But, you know, just to see like the flexibility in it as opposed to like an instruction sheet, like this is what you need to do. I think um, really embracing that flexibility. And like you said about like substituting a photo for pattern paper or vice versa, like I always – well, not always, but oftentimes we'll have to like squeeze in more journaling somewhere or uh, as like an eight and a half by 11 scrapbooker, like that does not preclude me from using 12 by 12 designs. I just tweak them. So um, yes, I think, again, that kind of comes back to like the fun of it for me is to kind of find a way to make it work for for my style and my photos and my story and um, to make it all come together. Well, and, and we've had several comments because we kind of asked some of the members, what are you looking for for this pop-up workshop? And we had several comments on, like, I'd like to see uh, not just more sketches with longer journaling, but to be able to look for them that way. And that's, unfortunately, that's not a feature that we have right now. But as you said, like, the more that you know how to adjust it, you could say, well, if I just nudge this, you know, a little bit up this way, I could have twice as much journaling space. Um, how do we tweak it to to better accommodate our needs for either more photos, more journaling, uh, just, you know, rotating, things like that. I think um, having some of those basic skills will, I don't know, help you see it with more of a, this eye of possibility rather than, well, that doesn't fit exactly what I want, so therefore I can't use it. Yes. 
Okay, let's shift gears here to one final thought here on Stash Bash. So the new pop-up workshop comes out April 1st. And I think this episode will have come out the week before that. And then our Stash Bash event, we're kind of counting down to this. This is one of our favorite events of the year because it's a week-long, almost intensive activity to really make some progress on your stuff. And you can pick and choose activities, whether you're going to focus on using up, decluttering, or organizing, or a combination. You know, we've had folks really focus just on making pages and using excuse me, using older product and some people like empty out, repaint and redo their entire craft rooms. So a huge gamut, but just the collective energy from Stash Bash is so fun. So yeah, I went and looked at our little cheat sheet that we have for kind of prompts or ideas for people and what they can work on. I think, like you said, it's like playing and organize or create kind of are the categories. Um, Mm -hmm. And I... I'm not really out like ever going back to paper. And I definitely think, especially for older albums that I want to kind of fill in spots, I'm definitely, you know, keeping all of that for now. Um, So at this point, I'm kind of in a holding pattern for my paper products, my digital products, thanks to our discussions or last month, like they're in a pretty good spot. So I think for me, I'm going to, I want to concentrate on Stash Bash from the, the planning component of it. And one of the things that, I used to do was kind of batch process or batch plan layouts. I would take either if they're like, right, like spring 2020, I'm going to do these five layouts. And since I, I did not print at home, I would kind of plan out all my layouts, even do like the journaling and choose designs and choose photos. And then I would send those off. And then when they came back, I would assemble them. So um, that is not something I've really continued when I'm doing the digital, I feel like I've just kind of generally been like page by page or I'll start one. And then if it's kind of simmering or I want to like see if I want to make changes, I'll start another one. But I haven't done that kind of batch approach. Um, so I think I would like to kind of trial or a system of doing that from the digital perspective. So I think technically it would be the step by step challenge on our cheat sheet. Um, or also, I'm excited. I always loved the bake sale, and that was the concept of basically like the page kits. Um, so I think just continuing on kind of that success and that excitement from Refresh um, to continue that approach. So not even necessarily with just older product, but just the idea of maybe when I'm doing those batch planning for layouts to just instead of just doing photos and design and journaling, also like bringing product at that time too, to just really set myself up. So when I do sit down, I'm just ready to create. Yes. And I think we've had so many conversations since um, Crystal Ijunyate was mm-hmm. on the podcast for episode 107 because she has this this batch planning approach and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, I need to try that. And because I think it just feels so satisfying because you're not only capturing stories that are important to you, but using your product at the same time. And I'm just seeing both from from digital and paper scrapbookers like excitement about that. Yeah. Well, I always had just done it out of necessity because I wasn't going to send off, right, like three photos for an order. Correct. Um, so I would just do it out of necessity. Or if you're working on like a specific album project, then it was just nice for continuity. Um, but her aspect of really bringing in like the product side of things um, is not something that I had really focused on before. So uh, mm. I thought that was interesting, her insights on that or how she approached that. Oh, 100%. So I think for Stash Bash, my plan is it's 
it, it actually the the physical parts that I'm going to do kind of came out of this. I have the problem with my desktop folder and being this nested thing of to sort and then underscore to sort. And then I have these, it's just this miscellaneous piles of junk. And I realized that in the past I have done that in my real life too. And I've really tried to stop doing it. And I would just take, you know, a little envelope and just shove everything in it that I thought needed to be put away. And so I will have like a little pile and I, and I, I've, I notice I know how the, exactly how this happens. <laughs> um, but I have these envelopes that have like memorabilia and photos and just random stuff and sometimes supplies in them and they're all neat and tidy and they're put away, but it's time for me to go through those and kind of officially put an end to, uh, the miscellany. And, and I, and I think that since I really was doing that more in the physical sense, obviously I still have the digital problem, but I, I think I've stopped doing it because now I have like, okay, here's a drawer for all of my camera equipment and, and here's the places for my embellishments. And I've really tried to keep things very well categorized, even if it's not totally decluttered and totally sorted, at least it's all the same type of stuff. I know where to go to find it. And so, but these little miscellany bags need to be addressed so that I can kind of move on from that and really give things homes. And I think that's, that's the key is you have to have a home for the type of item and make sure it's the appropriate size, or you need to then change the size of the container or get rid of some of the things in the container. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just time to uh, finally dig into some of these things. Cause I mean, I made some of these bags like like four years ago, maybe even before I moved, there might be one that's like seven years old that has photos that I had printed out before we ever moved to this house of here's baby pictures of Emily that I might want to scrapbook. If I haven't scrapped those stories now, I'm probably not going to. I'm just going to, I'm going to probably recycle a lot of the stuff, but I need to, it's time to finally go through it. So this feels to be like the next iteration of your closet project. Yes. <laughs> And maybe this is kind of the the last remnants of it because I definitely had the miscellany closet. And now all of that stuff is pretty much categorized. It's it's still taking up way too much space in the guest room. The idea will eventually I'll be able to put things back in the closet. And it's going to be basically a craft supply closet for all the non-scrapbooking stuff. Like what it was really intended for, but no longer just bins of junk and assorted items. <laughs> so I, I feel like I've come a long way and it's time to finish that process. Okay. So what do you think about allowing yourself like one spot as kind of like a holding place? So if it is something that's new that maybe doesn't have a home, like do you need to like choose a home right away or is it too dangerous to have kind of that temporary transitional spot? I think that I'm kind of aware of some of the things that still need homes. Like, I don't have a good home. Yeah, actually, that's not true. I have homes. I just don't always put them there. And my husband would probably agree with that. <laughs> this is funny. Um, it's about closing the loop more. Okay. Like, I, I get the loop 90% to 95% close on a lot of things. No, I have clean laundry like on the floor of my bedroom right now that I need to put away. So no, I get you. Yeah, it's that final 5% 
um, because I have done a good job at creating homes for things and just making sure those things get to the homes. So do you feel like, I know that you had mentioned your chipboard from refresh that you had like organized some chipboard and embellishments and things. Do you think that has helped you identify like your next steps in this process process, I guess, or, um, like how has that contributed towards kind of your evolution or your continuing on this project? So I, what I've done is I have now three drawers that are for die cuts and chipboard and they're mixed together, but they're by sh- shape slash kind of function. They're mostly by shape, um, shape slash motif, I guess. So like animals are together. Okay. Um, that has been so amazing because I just, I kind of know which drawer things are in already and I just pull it out, search through what I want, grab something and then shut the drawer again. I don't feel the need to be exhaustive. Like I have to dig through it all. Just let's find something that works, pull it out and then use it. And I've loved that. And I want, I want more of that. And you know, I have these other storage units of like, especially even the one I keep mentioning the, the camera equipment ever since I started keeping a drawer. I, now I know where the, I don't even know what the names are for half of these things. The little thing that attaches my camera to various tripods and um, it's often like attachment type things like, little mini tripods and stuff like that but it all goes in this one drawer I know where to find it and I think I'm just going to continue to build on that of um leaning on those homes and and even and having homes for things like memorabilia I have homes for memorabilia I need to make sure that that it gets there and I think that's the big difference a lot of these things were put into the bags when I didn't have a specific home for incoming memorabilia so um now that I do I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it there. So, this is like I the guess. final, like loop close. It feels like full it, circle. Yeah, and it's yeah, it, it's it's. I think for a while it's been it felt a little intimidating because some of these there is one bag in particular that's bag of assorted embellishments, and it's it's almost embarrassing that it's it's so full. I could probably give it away and never miss any of it. But that feels wasteful and not fun. <laughs> I, I want I don't know. I want to see what I what I can salvage from it if you will. Well, plus um, like we just talked about looking at older products with new eyes, right? Like maybe yeah. it'll prompt some things. It'll be exciting. Or when I've, yeah, I've, it's like use it or lose it. Yes, 100%. So I'm, I am ready to move on. I guess it's kind of like a weight, like these bags of stuff feel like a weight and that I can't kind of go into this next phase of being a more tidy person, I guess. I don't know. Not even tidy. I look tidy, but I'm not necessarily organized underneath the tidy. I want to be able to get to my things easily and know that things are kind of kept where they belong, I guess. So. Well, and I would imagine it not, would make your scrapbooking process more enjoyable, too, because you can find what you're looking for or without being like, well, gosh, I know I had that, like, purple washi, like, good luck finding it. So if you can kind of put your yeah. hands on what you want, that would be extremely satisfying to me just, like, to bring it all together. Well, I've had a conversation um, with several people about this idea of when you get products in, particularly if you're in a kit club and, and you're not choosing the items, or even if you are, you bought something and then part of it you don't like and would never use, 
to go ahead and let go of that from the beginning. Yeah. Yes, it's fun to sometimes challenge yourself to use the extra stuff. But if you get if you get this kit and you like 90, 95% of it, keep that. And then the closing the loop on it is is pre-getting rid of the stuff you know you're never going to use because you just you don't like it. It's not your style. You can't see yourself using it. And that prevents you from later having to make that choice if you make the choice at the beginning. Yeah. I would never use a crochet flower in paper. And I'm not going to use it in digital either because it's still yeah. it's giant. But I can appreciate that some people do. One And I think a lot of the stuff that's in that big bag are things that I could have done that to begin with. And I think if I have a new strategy, I will. It's okay to let go of things, to pass them on to, you know, to your to children, to donation. There's many ways to do it pre-recycling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some things, you know, I've had a number of things that I found that were damaged, like puffy things that were yellowed. Um, some weird little wood things that were yellowed. So I threw those away because I I didn't use them and they actually kind of went bad. So there is a certain degree of perishable things. We've talked a lot about that with washi tapes. That's definitely a um, use it or lose it because those do not last forever. Or ink, dry out, pens. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, I'm going to enjoy watching this process because... The only thing better than organizing myself is to watch other people do it. So, <laughs> well, and I think I think in particular for Stash Bash, we're all going to be leaning on just having tons of open crop time because kind of crowdsourcing some of your decisions can be helpful. And it's interesting to get different perspectives on like, oh, I would use that, or oh, I would never use that. But it's it's okay, and you know, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to share. You know, it feels a little embarrassing to share that I have these like, you know, I basically have Monica's closets, mini Monica's <laughs> closets in these bags. <laughs> um, but we all have things like that, and together we can work through them and and finally let go of the junk so that we can uh, move on to uh, a more happy and productive stash so that we can be happy and productive scrapbookers too. Well, that, and also to come up with ideas on how to store some things or like what works for you. So one, they're accessible and easy to maintain, or um, we had somebody asking in the group about how do you store alphas? And, you know, I mean, there's lots of different ways you could do it. So if you can identify that what you're doing now doesn't really work for you, but you don't actually know how else to do it, you know, crowdsource that. Yeah, find out the 10 different possible ways and then figure out, okay, which one could I try next? Mm-hmm. Yep, it's going to be awesome. So Stash Bash starts April 8th. Um, so excited about that. And we're going to have a ton of fun. I can't wait. All right, Kim, this has been an awesome episode. Thank you so much for spending time with me. Well, thank you for having me. And to all of our listeners, please remember that you have permission to scrapbook your way. If you like the podcast, you'll love being a member. When you join, you'll get access to weekly Zoom crops, bi-monthly retreats, and a huge content library. You can head over to simplescrapper.com slash membership to learn more and join our creative community.